right, we'll start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others, especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're uh, at the part of the book where they're, they're, there's a turning point. They're turning away from the first step. Hopefully, the person has admitted complete defeat, admitted they're an alcoholic, understand that they can't take one drink, and admitted that they're powerless to not do that. Alcoholics are powerless to not drink. So you hear a lot of people say, oh, well, he went out. Uh, like, he's no good. Well, alcoholics drink. That's what we do. Addicts use, alcoholics drink. And we have no power to stop that. Hyphen. We, our lives have become unmanageable. Now, they're going to go from the first step to God as the solution. And they're going to start with believing in God as the beginning. And they're not going to get till page 60 or they're going to discuss the unmanageability of our lives and why it's unmanageable. And then they're going to relate that to God. God has to be our director. So God in the second step gives us the power. And in the third step, God needs to be our director so we can get the power from him. You can have a director, but if you don't let the director direct, nothing's going to change. And this chapter, I was thinking about it today. I've been studying scripture for the last seven years uh, since I retired. And I see this chapter differently. Hey, guys. I see this chapter differently than I did before I started studying scripture. And it, it talks about in scripture, uh, especially I'm studying Romans now, that the way we, we, we know God is through studying his word. And the way I found the path to God was studying the book and doing what's in the book. And now that I've complimented with that scripture, I think I know my, my God better. And so I can be more obedient and I can grow in his character. Now, we agnostics, it doesn't say uh, some agnostics, it says we agnostics. And, you know, I read this, but before I listened to Joe and Charlie, I didn't really understand what they were trying to say. An agnostic is someone who has no knowledge of God, has no relationship with God. You can believe in God, but still be an agnostic. I believed in God, but I had no relationship with God. And it wasn't until I started working the steps that I developed a relationship with God. And, and my relationship with God has changed in my understanding of God. It's a process. But for those who believe in God but have never allowed God to run their lives so my life has become unmanageable, I was an agnostic. And, and now that I've had the chance to allow God to manage my life most of the time, that's pretty good for us, right? Uh, he does a lot better job than I do. And, and so I want to grow in, in knowledge of him. But we start out as agnostics. In fact, we, we know very little when we come here. We have no knowledge of God, and I didn't know what I was wrong about. Anybody else like that? I thought everything I thought was right. 
and I see new people, and I, I, I guess I piss them off, piss off a lot of people. I tell them, everything you think you know is wrong, and they get all, mm -hmm. but if you do your fourth step, everything that I thought was wrong. All my fears were wrong, all my resentments were wrong, and I made wrong decisions based on wrong thinking. Now, I did a lot of good things in my life, we're not saying that, but the things that made my life unmanageable and made me powerless over alcohol arose from wrong thinking. So now they're trying to change our idea about God and our relationship, and this, I, I think this is really one of the most powerful eight pages, I think it's eight pages or 13 pages, I think it was written, and it was written by people who are not spiritual giants, uh, they were not uh, theological scholars. They were able to write this, and I don't think it was one person. We say Bill, but he had a lot of help, and he had a lot of information from the Oxford Group literature. And remember, they were Christians, and they were uh, trying to grow in the image of Christ. And so they had a lot of spiritual literature on their relationship with God. They were trying to change their relationship with God so they could practice God's character, not theirs. Sounds similar to what we're trying to do, right? We have a spiritual checklist. The left-hand side doesn't look very good, and that's when I'm running the show. And if I'm practicing God's character on the right-hand side, my life goes a lot better. So it says, in the preceding chapters, we have, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope, this is their hope, they've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. The alcoholic cannot drink. Everybody agree with that? Non-alcoholics can drink. They can take one drink. We can't take one drink. We have loss of control once we take a drink. <laughs> and they say if, you, if when you honestly want to, you find you, can, you cannot quit entirely, or use to link alternatives, or if when drink you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic. So if you find you can't stop drinking, you're an alcoholic. If you find when you drink you can't control it, you're an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Now a lot of people try to prove they're not alcoholics. We don't get too many of them when they come here. <laughs> a lot of people when they come here, I think they can accept they can't drink and they can't stop, but they won't give up their plan. That's why I think very few people make it. They just can't give up on themselves. And this, that's what they're talking about in this chapter. And if we, uh, so loss of control, loss of choice. I, I'll never have the power of choice of my own again, and I'll never be able to take one drink. I know that. I said, well, I could get one cigar and like, have one drink, right? But then I know the next morning it's, it's not going to work. I'll want two cigars and 10 drinks. And <laughs> I'll be off and running. But I can think it through, you see, because I have a relationship with God. It's not because I'm smart, because God says, no, you don't want to do that. If that be the case, now here's a, a line that needs to really be emphasized. If that's the case, if I'm an alcoholic, and I can't quit entirely, and I have little control over the amount you drink, I may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Now, it's not spiritual belief. 
You can believe in God, but that won't conquer this. You have to experience God's power because he's the one that gives me the power to choose not to drink. And it's an illness that's unlike any other. And I think they say that in this chapter, it might have been more bad. It affects us. There's no illness. I took care of, I was a doctor for 40 years, and I never saw an illness like alcoholism. You know, there, this is a spiritual illness, which means that it, it comes from a, a wrong relationship with the spirit. I'm not in right relationship with God. And when I'm not right relationship with God, I get angry and fearful and I make bad decisions and I have shame and guilt and self-pity. Anybody do that? And then my emotions build up and my mind says, you need a drink and nothing can stop that. Now, when people go to get a drink, when they go, they've been in AA for a while and they go to the liquor store, they don't go to the liquor store and say, you know, I'm separated from God and I'm living on self and I have fear, resentment, and anger, and I made a lot of bad decisions based on self. Can I please have a drink? No. But that's what really happened. And, and it builds, and it happens, we don't even know it. Anybody drink when they didn't want to, and then we didn't have that happen. So, to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. It seems impossible that you're gonna be able to have a spiritual experience that's gonna conquer this mess of a life that you're in, this hopeless condition. I'm trying to remember when I came in. I didn't try to think it out. I was defeated. I just, I just wanted to do whatever they told me. And I knew they had something that I didn't have, so I didn't. But, but I didn't know how I was going to get a spiritual experience. And I didn't know that that was going to conquer this. But I knew I couldn't. And so it says to continue as he is means disaster. Everybody agree with that? And, and it can be a disaster, but it can get worse. So I heard somebody, somebody said they were going to this, uh, and they asked this guy, he was talking to him, and they were telling him you know, what they were going to do for recovery. But the guy said, you know, I'm really, I've got a lot of responsibilities. You know, I've got an important job, family, I've got things I need to do. He says, well, if you don't put recovery first, you're going to lose it all. And that's true. You're just going to lose everything. But for the grace of God, go I. Especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. And we've talked about the hopeless alcoholic. He's doomed to an alcoholic death without a spiritual experience. Now, they're going to tell you why that's true. It says to be doomed. Doomed is not good, by the way. To an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Now, I read that for a long time, and I said, well, yeah, that seemed to make sense. Does that make sense? Makes sense. But I didn't understand it. What they're really saying is not that uh, you have a choice between doomed to an alcoholic death or spiritual life. Is, is sure you're going to choose spiritual life. They're not saying that. They're saying to be doomed to alcohol, death, or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. And I think that's what was true uh, for a lot of us. 
that when we come in, it says we're constitutionally capable of seeing the truth of, about ourselves. We can't see the truth about it. And it says those who cannot or will not give themselves a simple program are constitutionally incapable of seeing the truth. What are they unconstitutionally incapable of seeing? See, I thought about that for a long time. Went to a lot of meetings, they read this stuff, it sounds good, and we all shake our head. But what's the truth that they can't see? That they're either going to die an alcoholic death or they have to live on a spiritual basis. And what that means is that at some point, I had to give up on myself completely and say, Michael, you are effed. I can't go on anymore. And it was an intellectual decision. It wasn't something I read in the book. I felt it right in my heart. I still remember it. I just gave up. I gave up. And then a lot of things happened. God put a lot of people in my life. I met Mark. I met other people. And, and I'm here tonight. I don't take credit for it. I give it all to God. But I did, I did surrender, and I was desperate. So I took the actions, whatever it was, that God put in front of me, and I'm here tonight. But I didn't do it perfectly. I'm not perfect. Everybody knows that. But uh, my life is good today. The only thing I can worry about tonight is who's going to play for the Chiefs tomorrow night in a stupid football game. I'm 73 years old. I've got nothing else to worry about. Kids are all healthy. Wife's the wife. You know, grandkids the grandkids. And my health is pretty good. And so isn't that neat? I can live a life now where I can be at peace with myself. That's all I ever wanted. And so, uh, but that's an important line, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Now, I, I wish I knew, I wish I was there when they wrote these sentences, because it's such powerful information. I could never have written anything like this. But it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. So it's not that difficult to live on a spiritual basis once you decide that you need to do that and you follow the instructions. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, and I wrote the issue of God, or the issue of a spiritual experience, hoping against hope we're not a true alcoholic, that I don't have to do that. Think about if you've done that. But after a while, here, here is again the word face, we had to face the fact. So I had to face the alternatives. Then I only had two alternatives, and now I have to face the fact that I must find the spiritual basis of life or else. That's the deal. I must do that. And it has dash or else. They don't spell it out, but I think we all know what they're talking about, right? And, and how do we find the spiritual basis of life? Through the action of the book. The action to the book is a design for living that works. It's a group, steps a direction to where we're living, trying to live a spiritual life. Remember step 12, practice the principles in all our affairs. Step 10, we're living in the world of the spirit with God. Each day we're uh, trying to seek him all the time. When we get separated, step 11, how do I improve my relationship, my conscious contact with God? How do I improve my knowledge of his will for me and get the power from him by not using my power. So it's really pretty simple. Simple but not easy. That's what it says in Bill's story. It means the destruction of self-centeredness. And I have to do that all the time. If I'm in fear, I'm self-centered. If I'm 
angry about something, I'm self-centered. It's not complicated. But I don't have to stay there anymore, right? Perhaps it is going to be that way with you, but cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. So they're trying to get people ready for God. A lot of people in AA don't want to hear about God. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. And I've wondered about that a long time. And I think because they don't want to be accountable. And they, they know deep down inside that they, they need God and they know that they haven't been the person that God created, and they're afraid. It's just fear. But, but we try to help them get over that. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, so if we could write a book on it and, and develop a philosophy of conduct and a code of living so that I wouldn't drink again, Many of us would have recovered long ago, but the problem with that is that it was my code of morals and it was my philosophy of life, remember? And my code and my philosophy won't work. Now, AA has a code of morals and a better philosophy of life, and that's what this book is about. So I had to give up mine and try theirs. And I think for most of us, until we tried everything, we didn't give up. And I think the only reason I gave up was the grace of God. At that moment, I could see the truth. But we found that such codes and philosophies don't save us, no matter how much we tried. Anybody try to quit? Anybody try to not get angry at work and not get upset? I get out of the car, oh, I'm not going to get upset when they do something stupid. You know, there's always stupid things that are going on. And I do well for 30 minutes, or maybe I make a few hours. You know, on a good day, maybe five hours. But there's always something. And, and I didn't have the ability to be able to see it and act differently, because I wasn't spiritually fit. And, and I, I try not to do that anymore. And over the last years that I worked, I did it less and less. I, I got, God was able to help me do better. It's found that such codes and philosophies did not save me, no matter how much we tried. Now, here's the deal. I could wish to be moral. You know, I could wish to have the, uh, the, the ability to do right, to be uh, ethically virtuous. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. Now, I don't know what philosophically comforted means, and I haven't really looked it up. In fact, we could will these things with all our might. I think philosophically comforted means I could be comforted by justification of what I was doing and feel okay about it. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. See, they're hitting this home. And if you haven't accepted what I've read, then you really need to go back and see if you've experienced the first step or not. See if you realize that you're powerless over alcohol and you cannot manage your life. Our human resources, all of my human resources, I, I thought I was a smart guy, but I was really stupid. I had a lot of wrong ideas. Our human resources is marshaled by the will, and I wrote marshaled by my will, 
and marshaled me and organized, so I'm going to give it everything I took. Remember Fred said he was going to do that, and then uh, two days later he's drunk in the hospital, right? Bill had self-knowledge. That didn't work. Roland had a whole year of rearranging his mind so well that he knew he could he would never drink and he was drunk within three days. I don't have the the resources. They failed utterly. So I wasn't a bad person. I had the wrong director and I had no power to do different. I look back at all the things I did and it was just because I was self centered. The mistakes I made, it wasn't God's fault. And I had the wrong director, me. Now, a lot of times I thought I was doing the right thing. In fact, the people that took a lie detector test, I think it's God's will and this is what I need to do. But we can rationalize anything. We're alcoholics. And, but I had the wrong director. That's why some people can't forgive themselves. I've heard that. I can't forgive myself. Well, that's just a form of self-pity. You know, God forgives me. Who am I not to forgive myself? And I couldn't have done any better. I didn't have the power. My son died. I think about that today. I watched a movie where this couple's son, daughter passed away as a murder. And I realized he had no power to do differently. I had no power to save him. I felt bad. I should have done this. I should have done that. Uh, Patty said, no, you didn't have the power, honey. And I didn't have the power, and he didn't have the power. And so uh, we're powerless people. And, but we do have a map here to the power. And, and so I hope people find this. That's why I started the meeting. So we have no power. We can't marshal our will. We can't have codes or philosophies that's going to save me. So lack of power, that's my dilemma. Now, dilemma means two choices, especially equally undesirable. I'm going to have to stop drinking, and I'm going to have to live a spiritual life. How do I do it? How do I find the power? I didn't know that when I came here. I didn't even know what was wrong with me. I knew my life was a mess, but I had no idea until I actually got into the book, went to a lot of meetings, talked to people, listened to people. It wasn't until I really listened to John Charlie and started studying the book that I could see what was wrong with me. I didn't have any power, and I used the wrong power. I kept plugging my life into the wrong socket. Well, that didn't work. And then the next day, I'll do try it again. That didn't work. I kept doing it. We had to find a power by which we could live. So that's what we're talking about. It's not complicated. I want to find a power by which I could live, and it can't be mine. And it says it had to be a power greater than ourselves, squiggly writing. Stu's not here. He's working tonight. And what does he always say? Obviously. Oh. It has to be obvious that I have no power to fix this, and I don't have a power to live, and I need a power greater than me. And if it's not obvious, people don't make it. I can't make it obvious to somebody. Have you ever worked with someone where you could obviously see that their life is a mess and they need help, but, but they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. They didn't have any power. And, and it gets frustrating. I, have to, I learned a lot from working with others and through my experience. And if, they don't, if it's not obvious to them, I need to wait till it's obvious to them. I tell them I love them. 
have my number. When it's obvious to you, give me a call. When it's not obvious to them that they have no power, they can't fix this, then there's no, you can't work with them. Now, sometimes they'll tell you it's obvious, and they'll tell you all this, and they start doing it, but then they kind of drift away. They don't follow through. They don't follow the assignments. They don't, they don't have the desperation of a drowning man. And I, 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 I have a lot of numbers on my phone from the 15 years, and I delete a lot on this phone here, but they get deleted on the car. And I'll scroll down the car, and I see all these names. I said, wow, I wonder how they're doing. I don't know if they're doing bad, necessarily, but so many names. And I, 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 uh, somebody said, I've known them a long time. They said in a meeting, they've been in AA quite a while. They said, it's a sea of faces. And that's what I think it is. It's a sea of faces. People say, remember so-and-so. They came to this meeting for a while. I, I can't remember. When I put the numbers in my phone, I have to write something about it. You know, like uh, when I put Bill's number in there, I put Bill somebody, you know, works for the government or something. So I'll know that which Bill it is. Now Mark, I got Mark's name, I know who Mark is. But that's what you have to do. And uh, I'm getting off here, I hope this is not too bad, but it has to be obvious. Now here, once it's obvious, then the question is, where and how do I find this power? Where is it and how do I find it? And if, and if you, it's right here. It's right here. And it says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. So if it's obvious to you that you're aft and you can't fix this and you have no power, that's what this book is about for you to find the power. So you don't have to drink, and you can live a good life, a spiritual life. You can be at peace. Its main object is to enable you. That's what the book is. The main object of this is enable me to find a power greater than me, which will solve my problem. Now, why does it say, keep me from drinking? That's not my problem. And, and why does it say, solve your problems? Because I have a lot of problems. But I only have one problem, my separation from God. And, and Chuck C. said that so powerfully in his new pair of glasses. Conscious separation from God. Conscious means I'm consciously with my mind saying, okay, God, I don't need you, and I'm gonna separate, and I'm gonna run this, or I'm gonna run my life. And the solution all the time is to go from that world where I'm running the show, which never works, to God's world where it works. And, and the thing is, I'm always in God's world physically, but mentally, I can move into my world. Think of that. It sounds crazy, but we do it. I move into this world to get these thoughts and ideas, and then I make bad decisions. Anybody do that? And we can't manage the decision not to drink if I'm in Michael's world. If I stay away from God long enough, no matter how many meetings I've done, no matter how long I've been sober, I'll drink again. I'll separate it, and something will happen. I'll have no relationship with God, and I'll drink. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't think it will, because I seek God every day. I pray as soon as I get up. So that means we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. 
So it's going to be ethically correct, but it's relating to our, our relationship with the spirit. And here it is, finally. And it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. Now, I've heard a lot of people don't like this meeting because they talk about God too much. They even tell me. I say, well, that's OK. Uh, it's all right. Come back. Maybe you'll change. Um, so it means, of course, we're going to talk about God. Now, I heard a really good speaker once. He said, everything up to this point is the not drinking book. But from this point on, it's the God book. And I think to some extent that's true. And he says, some people stay in the not drinking book. But when people move to the God book, they never go back to the not drinking book. I think there's some truth to that. And so I want to get people into the God book. And that's what we're going to pick up with on uh, Saturday, all about God and how we find God where he is. In this chapter, you're going to tell us where God is, why we've blocked him out, the relationship, uh, getting rid of our reasoning and just going with it, not trying to be intellectually, spiritually fit, but just give up on ourselves. So I think I've talked long enough. Yeah, it's a good place to stop. Everybody on Zoom is going to have to talk tonight. Sorry. Oh, I shouldn't have recorded that. Uh, thank you. <laughs>